La maudite des vieux chauds. I have seen the dark shadows moving in the woods and I have no doubt that whatever I have resurrected through this book is sure to come calling for me. David, you look absolutely terrific, honestly. You got like you got like blue on. This is where the worst begins. This is where we must stop. For beyond is the work of madness. The nightmare of insane murder. And lingering death. Get inside and lock your doors. Close your windows. Someone is watching you. Someone is waiting for you. Someone wants to scare you to death. This is Albert from the Tuesday Show. You're listening to the goddamn Dave Hill Show. Now on a flipping Monday. No, you're an angel witch. I don't know if you could hear. I added a little extra sauce. Is that what that was? Yeah, yeah, just a little extra sauce. I wanted to say, before we get into things, do you guys think, does my hair look like I'm a tween right now? Like a what? I just noticed it. You might be right. I just noticed something too as you were coming. Maybe it's the headphones or pushing it up. Well, no, because what here's without it. Okay, yeah, no. I, I still look like a, a tween, probably, right? A little bit. I mean, I'm not against it. I'm feeling pretty good about it. It's a good problem to have. I've never encountered it before that I'm aware of. When your hair makes you look like a preteen or a tween. Yeah, and my soft, soft skin. <laughs> Yeah, that's probably really what it is. It puts it over the top. That's the stuff. I well, it's good. I'm feeling. Uh, v. Frankie says I should join BTS. I don't disagree. I always confuse BTS with the BTK killer, oh, which me is too. different. Every time I I hear BTS, I'm like BTK because I just watched. Um, Couldn't be more different. I just, <laughs> just one's watched, one's a murderer. I don't just know. Watch Mindhunter, and it's like he's BTKs in the whole thing, and yeah. But now I keep every time BTS come, I'm like what? Was... All by way of saying hello and welcome to the Dave Hill Good Time Hour. See how I did that? That's smooth. That's professionalism. Brought it around. Um, I want to say I don't. Just to show you the level of dedication that I'm bringing to tonight's proceedings, I literally was having dinner with Kevin Jonas, the father of the Jonas Brothers. Tonight? Like 15 minutes ago. (laughs) And I excused myself. I said, I have to go. I am... uh, We're doing our live cast podcast, the Dave Hill Good Time Hour. I have to go. Were you meeting with him to possibly join the Jonas Brothers? I 
This is breaking. I am joining the Jonas Brothers. No, but I was. I was literally at dinner with him. To be fair, there were about 20 other people at the dinner. Yeah. But we were all seated at the same table. Okay. Uh, but any, every, anyone can see it. Davy Jonas, there it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I said, hey, I'm out of here. Uh, it's Dave Hill, good time, our time. Roughly. Soon. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're probably wondering, wait, Dave, uh, Kevin Jonas, uh, the father-in-law of Priyanka Chopra. Were you eating at Priyanka Chopra's restaurant? Yes, I was. I know I don't really come out guns blazing with showbiz tales on this show nearly enough. Are you playing with like a like a handful of pencils right now? I'm glad you asked. I'm I am. I'm. I'm here in my artist's studio. Uh, no, I have a bunch of paintbrushes here. Because I'm in, I'm in uh, my office here, where I, where I just create and uh, do uh, showbiz name dropping. I want to say also, when oh, I got, got home, already. I got the mail. Me too. We each oh, have these. I haven't gotten mine yet. What the hell? <laughs> these shirts, date we uh, available at the Dumb Industries website. It says Dave and Des and Chris and Lucy. Why are you covering it? Oh, you're just having it just says Des. Your version just right. We have I'm, merch. That's awesome. I'm on a shirt now. I don't know how you guys got yours, but before I did. But well, I always say that's now that we Queens. Now that we have merch, how far off can actual listeners be? <laughs> All coming together. Some people, some people say it's a cart before horse scenario. I disagree. Dave, were you uh, wearing your shirt at the dinner? With I was, I was not because oh. I had already. I, I came home and I took the mail in, and this shirt was there. So I was like, "Hey, I'll put it on." I have a a pea soup green sweater. Goes nicely. I, I was going to put on anyway. Um, anyway, all by way of saying. How are you doing, boy criminal Chris Gersbeck, purveyor of these fine shirts? I'm fantastic. Thank you. And how are you doing, New Jersey chicken rancher Des? I'm doing quite well. Thanks for asking. And, uh, Chris, what you have a shirt on there, that it's not uh, representing our growing brand. It's a fine shirt, though. It's a Star Wars t-shirt. I'm shocked. All, all I'm absolutely shocked. Trilogy. Gloriously laid out in crawl format for those it says at home. At the bottom, I don't know if you can see. It says all three on the on the one program. I think this is like a British because it spells program with an e at the with end. With an e at the end. Some kind of broadcast event. Oh, I love an international shirt. Yeah. Um, but you know, got it for five dollars at Five Below. Well, what's Five Below? It's a store where everything is five dollars or below. <laughs> hip store. Oh, sort of like the dollar store for $5 bills. Yeah. Classier yeah. than the dollar store. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to be breaking out this shirt periodically. <laughs> Go for, for those listening in the futuristic podcast format and not joining us live on Twitch. Speaking of Twitch and my tween haircut. That's um, this has got to be pulling in the lo- the younger viewers. <laughs> my tween my tween haircut. Um, 
Anyway, uh, speaking of Twitch, subscribe to us here. We've been getting, you know, not as many subscribers as we would like. Um, but we're grateful for all of them. I'm trying to spin this into, I said not as many as we'd like. There's millions. This is right. the most popular, we're the most popular Twitch channel. Subscribe. And uh, we're also accepting tips of my shameless Venmo address. <laughs> It's oh, not. It's not an optional. It says Venmo me. It's a demand. It's a, uh, and there's sweet Lucy. There's sweet Lucy. There's Lucy. Well, you got to You know, when our amazing guest comes on, mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna have to. Lucy's gonna. I'll move you. She's gonna have to move. Um, right. But uh, we do have an amazing guest, and I'm very excited. I've just started reading re reading his latest book. We had a little real estate problem. Cliff Nesteroff, he's Canadian, uh, which is another one of my interests, as anyone will tell you. Being a quarter Canadian person myself, um, I'm very excited to talk about this book. I've just started reading it, so I'm, I, uh, I'm not an authority on the contents. I actually am actually authority. Uh, I've decided I should just say speak with confidence um, though I'm loving it immensely enjoying it immensely um, and we're gonna have him on momentarily I decided to say momentarily that way it just to go with my tween haircut yeah it sounded kind of passive momentarily momentarily yeah. You're disgusted by it all. I want to say, this is, you know, if I can just plug my own things. Because, um, uh, yeah, while we're here. No, no, we're going to be talking to Cliff momentarily. Um, is December 9th, as many of you know. Those of you, my, my most recent stand-up album has come out in the form of an album, The Pride of Cleveland, on 800-pound Gorilla Records already but it's going to come out in special like video like a uh, comedy special form on their youtube channel december 9th oh nice right. it's Wait, already what? which what's youtube that? channel the 800 pound gorilla oh, channel nice. yeah it's already aired in the uk where i'm considered a genius you're international but for the first time in north america it will be available December 9th. It, I'm, I'm, well, almost nearly two months in advance, I'm telling people. Just to get that, the fever happening. There's I, the I, link. I got the reminder like a few weeks ago that you taped that special two years ago, I think. I know. Well, we're downplaying that, Chris. Um, <laughs> but no, I did tape it a while ago because uh, then the pandemic happened. <laughs> Then the yeah. pandemic happened. Everything on pause, so that time stopped. But so he's good. He's good. If I can offer comfort to anyone, they go, "Well, Dave, we don't want to watch a brand new special of your old material." Rest assured, I've written very little new material since I recorded <laughs> it. Uh, which is, I have to say, unlike me, because normally I'm known as just as prolific, mm -hmm. nonstop. But um. But uh, the pand with the pandemic, and I think I've spoken of this before, I really uh, 
I thought I was never going to be on stage or see another human being again. So I just, my brain just stopped working that way. And now I'm just trying to get it back working, mm-hmm. working, working. That flex the muscle. Um, I am. This is embarrassing. I feel like I should take care of this before we bring our guest on because it'll be worse if I do it um, w- when our guest is on. Uh-huh. I, you know, as I mentioned, I was at, just at a dinner with Kevin Jonas, right. the father of a little group I like to call the Jonas Brothers. Uh-huh. And I drank a ton of water at this dinner because as anyone has been following my career from the very beginning is, is well aware. I, I do not drink uh, prior to any sort of thing I have to do. Nothing. Afterwards, I drink tons when I'm done. Anyway, so I, w- I was drinking a lot of water. I guess, I don't know why, the, it just fluids, basically. Uh, I'm just one, you know, I'm not drunk is my point. But I, I feel like I have to go to the bathroom. How, on a scale of one to not really, uh, would it be okay uh, if I went and did that before we bring the guest on? I know. You're probably saying, why didn't you do it right before the show? I did do it before the show. Oh, you broke the seal. Yeah. I broke the seal. The thing now, is, if you go now, you might have to go again in 20 No, minutes. the thing about breaking the seal, that's a lie. That <sighs> I don't know. I have the Ron and Brian podcast ways, and we we, ha- we hear you have a huge live show this Friday night. I do. I believe it's sold out. Otherwise, I would have been pumping it a little harder. But if you're, if you're anywhere in the Elkins Park area, I'm told security is shoddy at Ron and Brian at the Ron and Brian Podcast HQ where I'll be doing a show. And then Saturday, I'm going to be in Richmond, Virginia at Chillin' at Chilton. Uh, damn, I wanted to hear about Dave and Frozen. Is he Elsa? I may be. <laughs> Lots of things happening. Wait, I, I really should go to... Maybe I should just... I can, I can manage not going to the bathroom. Let's sure? see how... Maybe I'll go really fast. Go right well, now, yeah. I'll, t- I'll I'll take my take me out of the feed so no one sees the body. What time, him? How long it takes? Probably wasting time. Uh, yeah, hey, does talking. did that shirt arrive in the mail all crumpled up, or was it like nice? No, it was in a nice plastic package, folded inside oh, the package. It was very nice presentation by because our Street. our friend Matt Arnold posted a, a photo of the one he oh, got, yeah. and it looks like it was like <laughs> went through the machine a little. Yeah, like tucked at his door, stepped on, burned. Yeah, well, man, that's how they do things in Iowa. Who knows? <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> Oh, you know what uh, I saw that I wanted to tell you about is yeah. um, the new Velvet Underground documentary. I heard things. About yeah. It. Is it good? Yeah, it's really good. Okay. It's it's weird. I saw somebody who review it, but I can't always take them seriously. They're, they they swing real hard back and forth between the sarcasm and straight, and he, he gave a scathing review, said it was no good. So I was worried about it because I wow. couldn't tell his, his vibe. But, I did uh, see some people complain that like they learned nothing new in it. That was the question: Is there new information, or is it all going to be like? Yeah. And then they met Andy Warhol. What I liked was that it wasn't all about Lou Reed. In fact, like they spend relatively little time talking right. about him and like his so his solo career. They don't even touch on. Oh yeah. Um, I mean, 
But yeah, totally, totally worth seeing. What is that available on to see? I think it's on Apple Plus, but I, I uh, saw it in the theater uh, film okay. forum. I'll go take a look. Yeah. So find it. Chris, have you ever picked up a, a weird new hobby out of nowhere? Like, oh, yeah. It's my entire life. Something you didn't anticipate. <laughs> I, I got this uh, flight simulator game for on the Xbox. Yeah. I got a whole new lifestyle now. I had breakfast at an airport over here. Then we took a ride over to another airport. It was... How'd you do, Dave? All right? Dave's back. <laughs> oh, oh my God. You know, I, I went to... Uh, I, I just camp? freshened up. And then the whole time I was like, well, this is going to be real. Like, the the longer I'm gone, people are going to be like, the show is so much better without Dave. <laughs> so I was like, I have to get... Then you got to push. I have to... Uh, I have to get back to the computer before I'm fired. And now, now I'm, oh, there we go. There we are. My, this is a little trick. This is like a CGI thing I learned. You, you, you move your face. You move back as the camera. And the camera, anyway. Yeah. Game of Depth says you could hear me, Pete. No, you couldn't. I'm in my palatial apartment. The bathroom is miles away. <laughs> you had to catch a cab. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey there, I'm Ellen Weatherford. And I'm Christian Weatherford. And we've got big feelings about animals that we just gotta share. On Just the Zoo of Us, your new favorite animal review podcast, we're here to critically evaluate how each animal excels and how it doesn't, rating them out of 10 on their effectiveness, ingenuity, and aesthetics. Guest experts give you their takes informed by actual, real-life experiences studying and working with very cool animals like sharks, cheetahs, and sea turtles. It's a field trip to the zoo for your ears. So if you or your kids have ever wondered if a pigeon can count, why sloths move so slow, or how a spider sees the world, find out with us every Wednesday on Just the Zoo of Us, which can now be found in its natural habitat on MaximumFun.org. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Keith. Hey, Helen. Hey, you've got another true-false quiz for me? Yep. Our trivia podcast, Go Fact Yourself, used to be in front of a live audience. True. Turns out that's not so safe anymore. Correct. Next. Unfortunately, this means we can no longer record the show. False. The show still comes out every first and third Friday of the month. Correct. Finally, we still have great celebrity guests answering trivia about things they love on every episode of Go Fact Yourself. Definitely true. And for bonus points, name some of them. Recently, we've had uh, Ophira Eisenberg, plus tons of surprise experts like Yardley Smith and Suzanne Summers. Perfect score! Woohoo! You can hear Go Fact Yourself every first and third Friday of the month with all the great guests and trivia that we've always had. And if you don't listen, well, then you can Go Fact Yourself. That's the name of our podcast. Correct! Woohoo! Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Our guest is ready to go whenever uh... Let's bring our let's bring our guest in. I'm very excited about our guest this evening. He is a show business authority, a comedy authority. He is a Canadian. He is an author. And I'm currently enjoying his latest book. We had a little real estate problem. Uh very much. And I recommend, this is, you know, I always, that. Well, we had a little real estate problem, the unheralded story of Native Americans in comedy by our guest, there he is, Cliff Nestroff. I'm here, I'm here, I'm loving the shirts and I'm here. Oh, thank you. Well, <laughs> listen, Chris, make a note. Let's get, make sure 
let's yeah. get Cliff a copy of every. The, the shirt in every color. Unless you're referring to Chris's shirt. In which no, case, I, I not think... At all. <laughs> not at all. And in fact, I'll go a step further. Uh, I like the cardigans you both have used to accompany the shirt. Oh, yeah. Well, thank you. Well, if you ever... If you're looking to dress up a t-shirt, you throw a cardigan on. Yeah, man. There yeah, you go. Sure. Chris, let's see if we can't get a cardigan in the mail to Cliff as well. <laughs> I have a cardigan right over there. Should I go get it? Let's let's get a let's I, get. I, a, I don't want your sloppy second cardigans. I want like a legit. I want you to knit so me, Chris. A we want a for uh for for real cardigan. Yeah. Actually, yeah. you FRC. know. Yeah. From way back. Now, let me pull. Where where is this? I need to. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm on multiple screens. I'm on multiple screens. It's all, it's all, it's all. My life is a mess. Um, <laughs> but I wanted to say, first of all, backing things up. Um, I was, I was reading about your first book, the comedians, drunks, thieves, scoundrels, and the history of American comedy. Yes, that's the way to do it. I prefer people read about the book rather than read the book i know this is uh, uh, this is we'll edit this later to make it sound <laughs> like i have read the book already i'm 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 currently reading your uh your yes. your current book i'm lost because i have not read the first one yet it's okay we we had a little real estate problem the unheralded story of native americans and comedy but i was i was gonna say uh, it says um that uh, Nestroff, with the first book, is intent on giving the beautiful losers of comedy their due. And I was like, if there's a sequel to this first book, I might be in good shape. I might be remembered mm. as a beautiful loser, which is my, you know, that's my sweet spot. <laughs> that, you know, I leave it to you, though. But uh, I'm loving the, the, the this book is... um. It's a, I. It's complete. It, it's amazing because I, I, as as I think Chris may have told you, I wrote. Uh, you're Canadian, first of all, as yes, you know, sir. as yes, you yes. as you're well aware, you're yes. you're Canadian. Mm -hmm. But um, in in researching uh, or it, my, my my last book, I learned um, about about the indigenous people of Canada and First Nations a, a bit and like, you know, um, something that I think most Americans don't know much about at all. And then, and then, uh, this is amazing. What made you decide to write about uh, Native Americans and comedy? Part of it was about moving to uh, America and not seeing indigenous peoples represented at all. But when you're in Canada, you see a lot of First Nations-related stuff on TV and in the news, whether it's political, whether it's cultural, whether it's show business. And when I moved down here, that mantra was starting in Hollywood about diversity, 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 and it never included Indigenous people. And it didn't matter how liberal the person was. They never mentioned Indigenous people. So this was sort of like my attempt to sort of correct that in a strange way. But I actually got an offer to do this book. So... That's the, the other main reason I did it. I had included a, uh, a chapter in a different book proposal 
that would have just been 10 pages about contemporary indigenous comedians. And Simon and Schuster uh, read the proposal and they didn't like the proposal, but they liked that one section about indigenous comedians. So they gave me an offer. And I had a little bit of trepidation because I'm not indigenous and that's a little bit, uh, could be a little bit iffy, you know? So um, it took a little bit of time to like uh, ensure people's trust and to sort of present things in people's own words instead of it being interpreted through my uh, lens. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, it, how much? How how did you? How does one even find? Like it was it was amazing. There, right out of the gate, the the book made me realize what a what a fraud I am. There, there's um. I'm looking for his name here. The the comedian, um, where you talk about he drives five hours. Oh yeah, in, John in, John Roberts. Yeah. Yeah, five hours in each direction to do a seven minute set yeah open mic yeah and i was just like oh my god this they won't take the train to queens to do a set <laughs> yeah i literally yeah literally i i complain if i have to go to queens well you've been to canada a bunch you know like the distance between towns in america there's like a different little crummy town every few minutes if you're driving down the the freeway but in canada it's like you do a gig in some small town and then you drive for like five six hours you know you always lose money when you're starting stand-up in canada especially because you pay for your own gas and the amount you pay in gas between the two gigs you spend all the money that you made at the previous gig and then you're in the hole and uh and then the other thing is you drive five hours you bomb and then you keep driving and then you bomb again it's like really uh uh, uh, difficult, you know. And Johnny lives in uh, uh, Minnesota, which is also very remote where he lives. But uh-huh. uh, could, when I started in Canada, I just remember doing these terrible bars. They were always on the side of the highway, connected to a liquor store, and uh, it was not Perfect. enjoyable. And usually, when you were opening for somebody that did not vibe with you at all, I used to open for a Christian stand-up comic in uh, in Canada, and it was interesting because I would bomb, he would kill. Or if I killed, that meant he was going to bomb, you know, without exception. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. That's always, uh, so when you were on, he would be like, he would know what was going to happen. He'd be well, like, oh boy. <laughs> not that first time. Now, that first time we thought, oh, this is a hot crowd, you know, when, when I finally killed, it's got to be a hot crowd. Uh, but no, he bombed uh, terribly. But he was sort of a charming dude. He could figure it out. But I, I don't know. Canada's much rougher, I think, on uh, stand-up comics than the United States. I always found that audiences in America were uh, much faster to laugh. And in Canada, they were way, way tougher. They were really demanding. But in the States, you could just do an impression of Bill Clinton and people would applaud no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think as we've demonstrated these last few years, more than ever, we're... we're we're a bunch of dopes in America. Yeah. Well, those are your words, not mine. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know. But behind your back in Canada, that's how we all feel, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Like Dave specifically, or? <laughs> you know, I'm the poster boy for American stupidity, sure. No, Canadians have, have uh, adopted Dave, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, people in America go, oh, Canadians are so nice, they're so friendly. And they're like, no, that's, they're being sarcastic. <laughs> there, there is something, though, even just the way most Canadians speak, like, I remember being in, in Victoria, British Columbia, and 
And then where it struck me, like, my girlfriend and I were there, and these two guys were walking down the street. She's like, there's something about people here, even when you hear them talking. I was like, yeah, they're not dicks. Like, their, their default setting is not being a dick. Where, I feel like America, there's a lot more of that. It just depends how drunk you are. Not you, but <laughs> <laughs> maybe that too. So it wouldn't, wouldn't hurt. Canadians, like, uh, you want to see Canadians being obnoxious, just be in town when their team gets knocked out of the playoffs. There are riots, oh. fires, curb stompings, like it's chaos, you know, and then if they win, it's even worse. There's even bigger riots, <laughs> bigger fires. Here, it's always like racism related or police brutality related. And in Canada, all our riots are hockey related. But, uh, but it's not too friendly, uh, like when the Canucks lose to the Boston Bruins or something like that. It gets, uh, gets pretty hairy up there. Yes, this is true. And you're, you're from British Columbia originally. Originally, yeah. I grew up in uh, rural British Columbia. And then I moved to Toronto for uh, a couple of years. Then I moved to Vancouver. When you say British Columbia, people assume you're from Vancouver, but I had never been there until I moved there when I was like an adult. Well, I grew up in British Columbia, but Vancouver was like a nine hour drive away. So I never actually spent any time there. And then I moved to America 10 years ago. Why did you do that? It's cold in Canada, man. It's so it is cold. cold. That, yeah. that, is, that is the one thing. Why well, I learned a few things spending time in Canada, but it is insanely cold. I used to get really aggravated when I was a child. I'd watch like Rocky and Bullwinkle and they'd go to Canada and it's like snowing. And I was like, it's not like that as soon as you get across the border. It's not that cold. Then I felt the climate in an actual place like California. And I was like, oh shit, it is so cold up there. <laughs> and uh, it's true. Like I was, even up until I moved, in, when I was living in Vancouver, I was wearing long johns 11 months out of 12, you know, and that one month. Oh. It was usually because they were in the wash, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I, I believe I, uh, on my, uh, my phone, I still have a lot of, like, just as an example, how cold do you think it is right now in Moose Jaw, Saskatchewan? I'm pretty sure the entire population is probably dead. <laughs> they, it's true. Yeah. They're dead. Yeah. Yeah. I've taken the Greyhound through there, and it was... Uh, unpleasant you know to step off I, I i had a layover once on a via rail train in uh, winnipeg and i thought oh, i'll go for a little walk around the block while we have an hour mm -mm, mm -mm. It's, that oh. uh, that disgusting train station never felt more welcoming than the uh, the walk, walk <laughs> back inside i was only outside for like 30 seconds and it was like unbearable, oh, yeah. it's, you know? so it's, it's not nice. easy to move to another country so i understand why most canadians have to uh, remain but it is not logical to live in most places in Canada, climate-wise. And people complain about it all the time, and it's dark, and uh, it, it's miserable. My dad, growing up, though, was in incredible shape because he shoveled snow like a son of a gun. Uh, he'd wake up at 5 in the morning and have to shovel the whole driveway every single day. Otherwise, he couldn't get to work, you know. Wow. And what, and what did your dad do? He was an elementary school teacher. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, and how, how did you get into comedy in Canada? Doing it, you mean? Mm-hmm. I moved to Toronto to write sitcoms. I thought that that would be an easy way to make money because I'd watch TV sitcoms and found them very predictable. And I'd watch like late night talk shows, watch the opening monologues. Even when I was like 12, 
I could always predict the punchline, even though they were rudimentary jokes. I was like, well, I could write a Jay Leno monologue or a Letterman monologue or a third rock from the sun script. So I thought, so I went to Toronto to do that. And it was before DVDs and it was before YouTube. So in order to study a TV show, you had to like watch one that was in syndication and new. And so I had to watch a lot of third rock from the sun. Uh-huh. And then after that, I was like, I don't want to do this. You know, I like I watched all this Third Rock from the Sun. I go, this is horrible. <laughs> not that it was that bad, but it, I could not see myself doing it for a long time. But I will say this. I wrote one heck of a Third Rock from the Sun uh, spec script. I think to this day, it would have been like a, a classic episode if you would allow me to pitch it to you. Um, do you remember the premise of Third Rock from the Sun? It's like there are a bunch yes. of aliens sure. who have to pretend that they're human. Yes. So I wrote this script where John Lithgow, the teaser before the opening credits, he walks out to the mailbox and it's one of those mailboxes with a flag that's up and he pulls out the mail and he sees a publisher's clearinghouse thing that says, you have won a million dollars. And he goes, we're rich, we're rich. And he runs into the house and then that's the teaser. Theme song starts, episode starts. They think they're millionaires. So all the family goes back to their jobs. John Lithgow was a teacher in that show. They tell all of their bosses, go fuck yourself. We don't need your job anymore. Shove it. We're rich. And then I wrote this sequence where John Lithgow, as the alien, goes on a shopping spree in a Walmart. And I set it to that song, uh, Holiday and Strings. Do you know that song? It's sort of like that, uh, what do you call it? Pizzicato string sort of shopping music, an instrumental song. Uh-huh. You recognize it if you heard it. Yeah. And he's going in out of frame with this shopping cart. And he goes, he's putting all this crap into his cart, and he gets to a, a VHS pyramid of uh, Dorf on golfing, if you remember the Dorf, Dorf. series. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so he puts, a, he puts a Tim Conway VHS into the cart, and he goes out of frame, and then he comes back in, and he takes all the Dorf on golfing VHS and dumps it into the shopping cart and goes out of frame, and then he comes back in and he grabs the Dorf cardboard cutout and puts that into the shopping cart and then goes out of frame. And then the act break is, turns out, of course, they're not actually millionaires. Now they have to pay off all this debt and they have to grovel to get their jobs back. So that was my spec script for Third Rock from the Sun. And I remember reading it to my sitcom writing class that I was taking in Toronto. And people thought that it was already an episode. Like they thought like I was plagiarizing a pre-existing uh, Third Rock from the Sun, which was like a high compliment. This is but, what yeah. already the Ron and Brian podcast says, wait, there you this go. This wasn't an actual Third Rock episode. There you go. There you go. I was 18, so I'm sort of proud in retrospect that I was able to grasp the formula. It really was just a formula. But while I was writing that and taking that class, there was a stand-up comic in the class, and he, who guy who had already been established, and he was taking this course, and he said, if you should do stand-up. And I kind of had a prejudice towards stand-up at the time. Even though I loved comedy, I still had that conceit of the 1980s cliche, the shoulder pads and the skinny tie. And I didn't want to set foot in a comedy club. I just thought it would be corny and square. And he said, well, if you ever want spots, you can skip amateur night. I'll throw you up on a Thursday night or whatever. So I finally took him up on it. And my first gig was at a Yuck Yucks in a town called Ajax, like the foaming cleanser, Ajax, Ontario, in a strip mall. And I wrote four jokes and went up. The first joke got a big laugh. Second joke, third joke, fourth joke got nothing. I left the stage after one minute. The MC, a hilarious comedian named Mike Wilmot, was in the bathroom. I left the stage empty. It was blank. And when he came out, he was like zipping up his fly like, what the fuck? <laughs> Ran up onto the stage. But uh, that one laugh was enough. And uh, I did that same one joke that got that laugh for like a year uh, thereafter. But that was sort of the start. And so I did stand up there for, uh, for a while. Yeah. Nice. And c- can you tell us that one joke? 
Yeah, you want to hear it? Yes. Okay. So the first joke I ever told was, uh, Hey guys, uh, don't you just hate it when you're listening to Mariah Carey <laughs> Nicely done. Yeah, so that was my first joke, and it got, I guess it still works. <laughs> That's gold. Yeah, thank you. That's the stuff. You're, you're complimenting the uh, 18 year old version of me, so how long ago is that? <laughs> it's still 25 it's an, years almost. It's an evergreen, also. Hey, she's still around, yeah. Yeah. Thank, thank God I didn't choose like Chris Cross or some fucking, you know, flash in the yeah. pan. Yeah. Wouldn't have that lasting value. <laughs> now, I have I have to thank you. Um, your book, I w I was not not to I I'm working on a new book, and I was like I was spending some time going like, oh, how am I going to think of enough stuff to write about on this subject? And then I started reading your book. And I realized what a complete wuss I was. Because <laughs> you've written, you've written a, an entire book on a subject. I truly am embarrassed to say I had never, I mean, I had not given that much thought to it. I get some thought to it. Um, well, there's no need to be embarrassed. That's sort of my modus operandi, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I want to write about things that people don't know about, you know? When I wrote my first book, which was a history of stand-up, there's like a lot of sort of famous stories related to comedy. You know, I wrote about mm -hmm. Jack Benny, and there's a famous uh, anecdote about Jack Benny, about how he got this huge laugh when he did this joke, your money or your life. I'm not going to go through it, but it's in almost every book about comedy history. So I intentionally didn't put that in my book, you know? Mm -hmm. I wanted to put all the stories that you don't know in it. And this new book was sort of a challenge to take on a topic. I didn't know if it would be enough to sustain a book, but uh, it was, and I cut a lot out. I had more material than I needed, but I like that challenge of writing about things that uh, most people don't know about or a subject that has not been covered before. That's always what I want to do, for sure. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. It's, I, everyone, I, I know I say this whenever anyone is on the show and has a book or an album or anything, I really mean it this time. All the other, <laughs> everyone get this book. I want you to feel the full Dave Hill effect. That spike in sales. Yes. That sweet, sweet yes. spike in sales that comes <laughs> that that comes with a, an appearance on the Dave Hill Good Time Hour. Well, I, I really enjoyed uh, your book about Canada, and oh, I, thank I must you. say You're that too I, could, I could share some insight because there's a. I think in your introduction you mentioned. I don't know if you were speaking to the publisher or the two dudes from Toronto who said that just, you know, yeah. everybody in Canada hates Toronto and you said why. And they said, we don't know. They just do. I can share a great insight. I love Toronto. Me too. Um, yeah. But growing up in rural British Columbia, there's a reason that everybody hates Toronto and it really has to do with hockey because no matter where you grew up in Canada, East of Toronto, West of Toronto, you never got to see local hockey games. You never got to watch the Vancouver Canucks, the Edmonton Oilers, or the Calgary Flames. You had to watch the Toronto Maple Leafs because that's all they showed every Saturday night. So we all resented Toronto. Oh. And they always had terrible teams. 
And so we're like, why can't we see the Oilers? They're a dynasty, you know? Oh, yeah. But we could only see them if they played Toronto. And so there was this resentment and hatred of Toronto because they were like the center of the universe. Here are the Maple Leafs, and we never got to see the uh, local team. I had to listen to every Canucks game on the radio, which I enjoyed, oh but we never got to, to see them, even though they were the local team, you know? That's amazing. Oh, gosh, I'm kicking myself. I have... An 80s Flying V Canucks. I mean, it's not like, it's not a, you know, pro level. It's a, right. you know, it's a cheapie, but it's still, it's, I should have worn it. If you give me 10 minutes, I'll dig it out of the, the <laughs> jersey you, closet. You've abandoned this show enough times already. <laughs> I know, I know, but I, I also have a, a Vancouver Blazers jersey. Who are they? I'll be right back. Uh, uh, <laughs> Wait, who are the Vancouver Blazers? Are they new? No, no. WHA. Uh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I do know that logo. It has a man on it, right? The Their one I have... Man? The one I have is... is I should get it. It just has, like, a hockey stick, I believe. Let's see. That team Let's did not last it. long. No, no. And, you know, not to keep piling on uh this is deep i don't know i don't know if your your knowledge of canada runs this deep but it was given to me by canadian muscle metal legend thor, thor? yes oh, i knew it i called it i called yes. it yes yeah yeah thor, uh, thor gave me a ride home more than once he's a very nice man isn't he he's like a friendly friendly dude well he I, the reason i know thor is not because of his metal legend i learned of that later but uh the celebrity that i've known for the longest in my life is nardwar the human serviette and oh yeah nardwar yeah would share the stage with thor and help bring a resurgence to him because the evaporators nardwar's band would play and then they would bring thor up to perform a song and Ben Steele uh, with his mouth. And so that, that was my yeah. introduction to Thor, was this sort of a second wave of Thor. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So when what year would this have been? That would have been like 2001, 2002. Yeah. Um, this is... Uh, you. This is... Uh, I, everyone... Uh, Buy... We had a little real estate problem. Then, with whatever money you have left <laughs> over... Uh, get buy yourself a Thor. There has to be a Thor greatest hits. I'm guessing. I played guitar in Thor's band for oh, one really? show. Yeah, about six years ago, I think there was a documentary. I think it's called "I Am Thor." Yeah, we should be doing a whole. Uh, we'll do a Thor sidebar. I don't want to steal focus. Yeah. Uh, I, I, because I, I, I want to stay, uh, but yeah, Thor, I'm, I'm thrilled that you know who Thor is. Yeah, I've seen him bend uh, steel with his mouth many of the times. In fact, of all the people I know, I don't think I've seen anybody bend steel with their mouth more often than <laughs> Thor. <laughs> I, I would hope. I would yeah. hope there wouldn't be. I mean, the thing is, you would think, yeah, a muscle metal singer uh, who bends steel with his mouth, you would think, well, He's got to be a prick, right? Because, you know, how do you rise to such metal muscle? <laughs> but no, yeah. he's an absolute sweetheart. 
Yeah, a real nice guy. He, I, I can't remember who he used to date, but I think I knew his girlfriend, and then I met him, and I remember him giving me a ride home from somewhere more than once because I never drove. And uh, yeah, a good dude. But I haven't thought of Thor in years and years and years, and I'm proud of myself that I was able to to know where you were going with that. Oh, I'm I'm thrilled. And Dan Wally here, he says he was great when I met him. He has also met Thor. Thor gets around. I, I love it. Um, so I was wondering, going back to, if, if we may go back to, we had a little real estate problem. When you, so did you drive the five hours each way with Johnny Roberts? No, I did not. No, I had to sort of like, I went to a bunch of shows in researching this project, but I also had to just rely on what people told me. And so I wasn't able to go where John lived. They didn't give me a budget to travel for the book, mm -hmm. so I was just doing it out of pocket. I did go and see the 1491s perform, who I talk about a lot in this book. All of them are now writing on a TV show on FX called Reservation Dogs, which I highly recommend to everybody. Oh, yeah, Hollywood. yeah. I've heard that's great. I haven't watched it. It really is. Like, it's really, really good. And all the dudes involved with that show, uh, at least the, the creator, the director, um, and all, all these dudes writing it are in this book, but it was before the show came out. So I only mentioned it in passing in the book because I hadn't mm -hmm. seen it yet. But they had a sketch troupe and do have a sketch troupe called the 1491s, five indigenous dudes who are really, really funny. I went and saw them perform uh at the oregon shakespeare festival they did a sketch comedy thing there and they were they, they were hilarious they were absolutely amazing so i went to that and i went and saw a bunch of stand-up gigs in san bernardino right when i was starting the research a bunch of the comics that are in the book were all part of this sort of festival thing that happened there but some of the stories in there i had to just rely on what people told me and uh, john was mm -hmm. one of them well, kudos to you because it, it's so well written. I was I I was like, oh, he, I'm I felt I was like, oh, he must have been just a fly on the wall in all these scenarios. So sometimes I was, and then sometimes it was sort of more like uh, trying to create that illusion that I was, you know. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. There is there like in Australia, there's a there's a growing indigenous indigenous. Uh, comedian scene <laughs> as well yeah i'm not too hip to that one um but i think all over the world there's sort of like this because of the internet the world has shrunk so a lot of indigenous yeah. peoples are facing a lot of the same struggles and the ramifications of colonialism and there's sort of this sort of new awakening and taika watiti who's an executive producer on reservation dogs is from new zealand and so um yeah there's sort of this this related sort of uh, thing happening, but I'm not uh, privy to a lot of that. You know, again, I'm just a white guy. What do I know? Well, on that, how, 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 how what has the reception been from the uh, indigenous? Community? It's been great. It's been great. You know, I really that was sort of my greatest concern was I wanted it to be embraced by indigenous readers. You know, I don't want to find myself in the middle of some sort of like crazy controversy so i kind of leaned on the people who i featured in the book get their input you know make sure things are representative in their own words you know not speaking on behalf of anybody i had to take a lot of delicate care whereas with my first book i didn't take any delicate care at all i just uh 
you know, I, my opinions are not necessarily in my first book, but you could almost read between the lines. Whereas in this one, mm-hmm. I just kind of subtract myself from the situation completely. Even in promoting it makes it more difficult because I don't want to be like, uh, uh, be the one that's getting all the credit. I really want to showcase the people that are featured in the book. You know? Uh huh. Yeah, and you don't want to be like presenting yourself. I'm the authority. Let me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Let me listen, Indigenous peoples. Let me tell you how you feel. Yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want that to happen. But that, yeah, that's a that's a lot. That's a lot of pressure. Um, I felt that way writing my Canada book. No, just <laughs> that's not 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 the same thing. How dare you? I'm not this. I, Chris, edit that part out. I, I don't need to court controversy. <laughs> uh, no, but that, that it's. It, did you it, want? Did you watch Jim Gaffigan's stand-up special that was all about uh, Canada? I did. I saw that. Yeah. He toured. I haven't did, seen it. Yet. It must have made no sense to you, though, Chris. Um, he put the. Is that one of the ones he put out to it at the same time? Yeah, he did one about Spain and one about Canada. Like he toured Canada and all. He wrote a whole new act that's just about Canada. And it's one of the yeah. funniest things I've ever seen because yeah. it's all jokes, Jim Gaffigan jokes, just for you as a Canadian. If you're mm-hmm. American, you watch it, it's like, what is he talking about? Canadian tire money, what does that mean? You know. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and it's really, really funny, but it's uh, alienating to, I'm sure, any of his American uh, fans. You know. Good. We've had it too good for too long. <laughs> <laughs> but what, I'm, what I guess what the point that I was making is I like it when somebody like yourself or like Gaffigan brings that American uh, uh, prism of seeing Canada because Canadians kind of see it all in the same way, and mm-hmm. we kind of have the same kvetches about the CBC, and we're annoyed by certain Canadian personalities. And Canada is frustrating to a lot of Canadians, and we look at American TV and we're like, why can't yeah. our TV shows be as good as that? Why can't the music be as good as, you know, traditionally speaking? There's exceptions, of course, but there's no Motown yeah. in Canada. If you go look through the history of show business, everybody loves the uh, the American product. Canadians, we've been kind of stuck with bagpipes and accordions for generations. <laughs> <laughs> we're only now coming out of that where we've got some hip, you know, indie rockers. But uh, yeah. it's been a long time coming. Yeah, but you know, some kids in the hall. Some kids mentions. in the hall. I think that's sort of the start of it for me. Yeah. Like hip, where I grew up, we had one TV channel, one radio station, CBC Television, CBC Radio. If you were to believe the CBC, there were only two comedians in the history of Canada, and that's Wayne and Schuster, the comedy team. That's the. Uh, uh, I'm trying to, what's the, the father-in-law of Lauren Michaels, Frank Schuster, and his, his son, his daughter is Rosie Schuster, one of the original SNL uh, writers. But they were like a corny, contrived, contrived 50s comedy team that were on CBC for 40 years. No other comedy shows for 40 <laughs> years. And I loved them when I was four. But as soon as I turned like maybe 12, I was like, oh my God, no, come on, anything else, please. And then the kids in the hall came along. And I know some people will probably say SCTV, but we didn't get them on my uh, channel when I was growing up. Kids in the Hall was like a revelation. And it, when you watch Kids in the Hall, it's hip and it's sort of gender bending. But in my high school, everybody loved Kids in the Hall. It didn't matter if they were a jock, a hipster, a redneck. It didn't, everybody loved it because it was the first time we had like comedy, comedy. And everybody would talk about it the next day in school. And 
Uh, they've always had a cult following in America, but in Canada, the Kids in the Hall were like mainstream superstars. And the first time they went on tour, they sold out huge theaters everywhere. And it was like Beatle mania. People just couldn't get enough of them. And still to this day, they're gods in Canada. Yeah, Kids in the Hall were a big, big deal. Oh, absolutely. And now you have... There's they're still gods. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they're doing and, another season, I think, for uh, Amazon. Yeah, I heard that. And they're not, I've met... How many kids in the hall have I met? Maybe just th- maybe three or four? You know, the Very biggest, sh- the biggest nice show fellas. I ever did... When I entered comedy, the biggest show I ever did, probably my entire stand-up career, happened six months into my career. Just by luck, I was booked on this show. Um, how's this for Canadian comedy mafia? I'll tell you what the show is at the end, but these are the people that were there. At this show, before the show, was this big event in Brantford, Ontario. They had a banquet backstage. Wayne Gretzky's hometown. Exactly, Wayne Gretzky's hometown. Dan Aykroyd was backstage. Dan Aykroyd, I went up to, he's known as a nice guy. He was a really nice guy. He introduces me backstage to Lorne Michaels. We're on a show hosted by Dave Foley, held in honor of the recently, sadly slain Phil Hartman, all Canadians. So it was a tribute to Phil Hartman, hosted by Dave Foley, featuring Dan Aykroyd, who introduced me backstage to Lauren Michaels. Also on that show, I only found this out recently, all these years later, I had no idea she was on this show with me because she wasn't famous. She was in a sketch trio called Atomic Fireballs. Samantha B was on that oh, show. Oh, yeah, yeah. And she was brand new to comedy, and I was brand new to comedy. We're all on the show together. It was a tribute to Phil Hartman, which Phil Hartman's family uh, produced and put on together. That was Phil Hartman's hometown, Brantford, Ontario. Oh, so I didn't that, realize that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was like six months into my stand-up career I did that, and that was such a thrill. Still a great memory. But it oh, was yeah. kind of funny. There was all the these Canadian heavy hitters all in one place at one time. And you did. I did feel for the first time like, oh, you're part of this Canadian comedy community or legacy. And also there's a couple of people that you probably wouldn't know, a guy named uh, Sean Cullen. He was in a comedy group called Corky and the Juice Pigs uh-huh. um, at that time. And I was, it was funny, they had this banquet backstage and you knew your position in Canadian show business based on who they sat you next to. And I was with this actress named Kate Fenton, <clears throat> who was just a character actress. And then this other guy who Canadians would know and you should know Dave if you don't, he, or know who he is. A guy named Al Waxman. I don't Al think I Waxman, know. before Brent Butt created Corner Gas. Al I, know, Waxman, I know Brent. Yeah. yeah. Al Waxman was responsible for Canada's only sitcom for decades. It was called The King of Kensington. And it took place in Kensington Market in Toronto. And oh, it was I know sort that. of like <clears throat> a poor man's all in the family. And he founded, I think they call it ACTRA which is like SAG, but for Canada, the Canadian Actors Union. Mm-hmm. But he was like a real pretentious guy because he got lucky with this sitcom and he's had this huge ego. And I remember I had to do a TV commercial and I had to go to the Actors Union to like get a permit because I was non-union when I first was starting in the business. And I walked up the stairs on Young Street in Toronto and at the top of the stairs is a giant mural of Al Waxman with a cape like over his shoulder, like looking this, like John, like he's John Barrymore, this guy with this terrible <laughs> CBC sitcom, Al Waxman. But I was seated next to Al Waxman, and by then he was not a big deal. This was like 30 years past his prime. But Dude. I remember that very well, and then and Dan Aykroyd introducing me to Lauren Michaels, and uh, 
And, and then there was a party afterwards. There's a Canadian company called Roots that makes like sweaters for the Canadian Olympic athletes. Has a beaver oh, yeah. logo. And there was a party at their like mansion that Phil Hartman's family was at. And uh, I remember I got my first agent out of that uh, party. And it was I should have seen the warning bell. She was wasted drunk. Came up to me after the show. She goes, "You're so right. Who's your agent? Who's your agent? You're so right. We're gonna make so much money together." And so I signed with her because I'm an idiot. That night. Yeah, yeah. My first agent, and she sent me out on auditions, and I did a children's show on YTV, which was the Canadian uh, Nickelodeon, and I'm, I'm I've never seen footage of it surface since, and I hope it never does. Wait, was it called? The Buzz? No, I know that show. No, it was called uh, System Crash. There was a it was a sketch comedy show for nine year olds. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah. and I remember isn't that. that was, what, isn't that what you can't do that on television? Was but it, it was, was sort of like you can't do that on television. Not quite as good, I don't think. And I remember I got fired real fast. I they hired me to play a like do a parody of like an MTV VJ. And I remember the writer of the show came up to me, and it was a children's show, but the writer came up to me beforehand. He goes, did you get a chance to look at the script? I go, yeah, man, it was surprisingly funny. And he goes, oh, yeah? Surprisingly. Well, that's what we're trying to do here. And then he walked away, and then two days later, I was fired from the show. I was supposed to be there for the whole year, and then backhanded insult or backhanded compliment. I think, I I think, no, that could be interpreted as just a, high praise surprisingly like it was funny we knew it was going to be funny but then there were surprise surprising aspects of how funny it was well the reality is is i thought it was going to be a piece of shit (laughs) well well, yeah i i I realized that yeah (laughs) oh my gosh yeah um the the buzz i remember i had a feud with the guy who uh, started the buzz back then I remember he, he, I booked him on a show and he bombed and then he blamed me. Like it was my fault that he bombed. He, he literally at the end of his set took the microphone and threw it on the stage until it, and it broke in half. And they stormed out of the venue. And as he was walking past me, he goes, thanks. And like uh, stormed out. Darren uh, Jones from the Buzz. Yeah. Whoa. Man, oh man. You're, you're conjuring all kinds of uh, old memories for me here, Dave, with you. <laughs> Well, we have a little surprise for you, Darren. Come on out. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Uh, well, we are we we have to ride off into the podcasting sunset now. But uh, I want to stress again. Well, first of all, don't put the action music all the way up yet, Chris. We have lots of we have lots of plugs. It's just underneath. It's oh, that's perfect. That's a classy one. Uh, everyone, get. Cliff Nestroff's book. We had a little real estate problem. It's excellent. I'm enjoying it so much. And uh, thank you so much, Cliff, for joining us. I hope- oh, my pleasure. Yeah, thanks for I- having me. I've uh, I've seen your name around in in my sphere many times in the past through WFMU and other things. Oh yeah, we were in, yeah. Saw your your poster, I think, on the wall at Union Hall when I did a show there with. Uh, Triumph the Insult Comic Dog, but I think we always have sort of been uh, ships passing in the night. So it's no nice longer. To, to we're, yeah. Now, now we're we're on the same stream or something. I don't know. What do they say? Uh, I, I don't know, but I feel like one day you and I are going to cross paths in Canada, in some rural town, and we'll play a game of shinny 
in the street and we'll go up on stage and we'll fall flat on our faces. <laughs> Flin Flon, Manitoba. I'm there. Here man. we that, come. That, that was the home to the very first uh, legalized marijuana uh, grow up in North America, Flin Flon. When the Canadian government first did medical marijuana, they grew marijuana in a mine shaft in Flin Flon. Oh, wow. I, yeah. I did not know that. Yeah, you, you wouldn't you wouldn't guess this, but it turns out that crop was a bunk. It turns out that <laughs> growing marijuana underground in the coldest tundra in North America is not conducive for uh, for good weed. Someone probably made a tidy profit on it anyway. Yeah, maybe I, it turned out well, and then they sold back the government their <laughs> bunk weeds. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Cliff. Thank you, boy criminal Chris Gersbeck. Thank you. Thank you, New Jersey Check and Rancher Des. Yes, sir. Thank you to everyone watching us live on Twitch. Subscribe to this amazing channel if you can. If you can, and uh, we'll be forever grateful. Thanks to everyone listening in futuristic podcast format. If you'd like to support the program, go to maximumfund.org slash join. Or you can just Venmo us like the wind at the Dave Hill. All of those funds will go straight up Chris Gersbeck's nose, as we know. No, he does not have a cocaine problem, as he describes it. I like the idea of my parents listening to this and finding out, or suspecting I have a cocaine problem because you keep bringing it up. <laughs> That's the goal. That's the goal. Um, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you, everybody. Let's... Uh, and thanks again, Cliff. Everyone, thank you. Get we had a little real estate problem. It's excellent. I'm excited to continue reading it tonight. Now let's ride off into the podcasting sunset. Thanks, everybody. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.